So as we continue to, uh, with our service, we have some great things to celebrate and some great things to talk about. And uh, this next part, we're starting in a brand new series called Visions from the Great Beyond, as you can see. And this one might be a little more confusing, so you might have to pay a little bit more attention, and you might have to use a little bit more creative juice than you're you're used to using. We're going to be reading uh, mostly from the the book of Ezekiel for this this sermon series. We're going to be reading from Acts next week, but Ezekiel is a prophet in the Old Testament, and often in the Old Testament there were prophets who would receive visions, and sometimes visions that we can't explain, and even in the New Testament, I don't know if you've read Revelation, but Ezekiel is a lot like Revelation. So as we read Ezekiel 1, the beginning chapter of this book, I encourage you to draw this picture in your mind of what's exactly happening, and to think about what Ezekiel is seeing in his vision. Ezekiel says in Ezekiel 1, in my 13th year, in the fourth month on the fifth day, while I was among the exiles by the Kabar River, the heavens were opened and I saw visions of God. On the fifth of the month, it was the fifth of the year of the exile of King Jehonikin. The word of the Lord came to Ezekiel the priest, the son of Buzi, by the Kabar River in the land of the Babylonians. There the hand of the Lord was on him. I looked, and I saw a windstorm coming out of the north, an immense cloud with flashing lightning and surrounded by a brilliant light. The center of the fire looked like a glowing metal, and in the fire was what looked like four living creatures. In appearance, their form was human, but each of them had four faces and four wings. Their legs were straight, their feet were like those of a calf, and gleamed like burnished bronze. Under their wings, on their four sides, they had human hands, All four of them had faces and wings, and the wings of one touched the wings of another. Each one went straight ahead. They did not turn as they moved. Their faces looked like this. Each of the four had a face of a human being, and on the right side, each a face of a lion, and on the left, a face of an ox, and each also had the face of an eagle. Such were their faces. They each had two wings spreading out upward and each wing touching that of the creature on either side. And each had two other wings covering its body. Each one went straight ahead. Wherever the spirit would go, they would go without turning as they went. The appearance of the living creatures was like burning coals of fires or like torches. Fire moved back and forth among the creatures. It was bright and lightning flashed out of it. The creatures sped back and forth like flashes of lightning. And as I looked at the creatures, I saw a wheel on the ground beside each creature with its four faces. This was the appearance and structure of the wheels. They sparkled like topaz, and all four looked alike. Each appeared to be made like a wheel intersecting a wheel. As they moved, they would go in any one of the four directions that the creature faced, and the wheels did not change directions the creatures went. Their rims were high and awesome, and all four rims were full of eyes all around. When the living creatures moved, the the wheels beside them moved. And when the living creatures rose from the ground, the wheels also rose. Wherever the spirit would go, they would go, and the wheels would rise along with them, because the spirit of the living creature was in the wheels. When the creatures moved, they also moved. When the creatures stood still, they also stood still. And when the creatures rose from the ground, the wheels rose along with them because the spirit of the living creatures was in the wheels. Spread out above the heads of the living creatures was what looked like a vault, sparkling like crystal and awesome. Under the vault, their wings were stretched out one toward the other, and each had two wings covering its body. 
When the creatures moved, I heard the sound of their wings like the roar of rushing waters, like the voice of the Almighty, like the tumult of an army. When they stood still, they lowered their wings. Then there came a voice from above the vault over the heads as they stood with lowered wings. Above the vault over their heads was what looked like a throne of lapis lazuli. Over their heads was what looked, or, and high above on the throne was a figure that, like that of a man. I saw that from what appeared to be his waist up, he looked like glowing metal, as if full of fire. And that from there down, he looked like fire and brilliant light surrounded him. Like the appearance of a rainbow in the clouds on a rainy day, so was the radiance around him. That was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. When I saw it, I fell face down, and I heard the voice of one speaking. These are the words that God has for us this morning from his word. Let them add a blessing to the rest of our day. The fly interns, which are probably right down here, uh, will be out in the, uh, in the center later to, to receive you if you'd like to help. Also, Vacation Bible School, the, the CDs are here, parents. Uh, they're out there in the center if you didn't pick one up on the way in, but I know you want to embed those songs in your children's heads. So go ahead and grab one on your way out. Uh, there's a booth uh, out there as well. And I just want to say as I stand on this stage, You'd be surprised how much things change in a day. Last night was our puppet show. So at 6.30 p.m., there were giant puppets and all kinds of stuff going on. Uh, And it was a wonderful show, and they did a nice job transitioning uh, from one thing to another, so we're grateful for that. And one last thing, since many of you have asked. uh, Some of you, uh, I know when there's not a narrative being provided that sometimes confusion can rise up, and we write one of our own. So... A number of you have asked about the downtown building and how we're doing with the sale. The real answer is yes, but it's a little bit of a complicated real estate deal. So it's going to take us a minute to finish it. So stand fast. We don't have a big line of people that want it. So we're working with one, and and, uh, things are working well, but it's taken a few little details. Um, But pretty soon somebody's going to put a check in our hands, and uh, we'll be able to say that that process is complete. As for now... Um, I'm fixing to preach the gospel of the everlasting God. Would you take a minute? Would you pray for me? And I'll pray for you. Uh, God, these words come to us. These wild words that you have put on Ezekiel's heart. They blow our minds, Lord, when we think of things like what is pictured here. They help us see beyond the veil of what we see because there is nothing in Ezekiel 1 that is normal to our lives. Help us understand it. Help us to see what you're pointing to and what you want us to hear and see here. This is our prayer. Let the pastor stand out of the way. Let your spirit run through. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, let's talk about Ezekiel. I don't expect a lot of you have spent a lot of time reading Ezekiel. Here's what we kind of know about Ezekiel. If you want to go on YouTube later today, you're going to find two main things. Some of you might have grown up singing this little Bible school song called Dem Bones. You ever heard the spiritual? Dem bones, dem dunzels, dry bones, they all snap together. No? 
Shall we sing along together? No. All right. Not that either. And the other one is some of you at a high school or college graduation sang Ezekiel saw the wheel way up in the middle of the sky. Do you remember that? Some of you sang that? A couple nods in your head. This is not the uh, inspiration for Wheels in the Sky by Journey, though, just so you know. But it does have that sound to it. Not only did, does Ezekiel influence music, Ezekiel has influenced, particularly chapter 1 and chapter 37, a lot of art. If you look at all of those things that Kelsey read, there are a lot of things going on and a lot of things to interpret in art. Wheels in the sky that gyrate and go this way. Angels with four wings and four heads and all this kind of stuff. And you, and you see that and there's a lot of artwork. So if you Google today Ezekiel 1 images, your mind's going to be like... Because people, I mean, this is mad. I mean, if you... I told Kelsey before worship this morning. I said, when you get up there, read this well. Because there's a lot in there. And she did a great job, I think. Um, and even though it's a long passage for us seeing it. Now, the other thing that we see a lot of artwork is in that vision of the dry bones of Ezekiel 37, where there's this valley of dry bones and, and, and God looks over it with the prophet. And you see a lot of artwork about that. So we have a lot of influence from Ezekiel on music, a lot of influence from Ezekiel on art. But do we have a lot of influence from Ezekiel on you reading it? So let's be honest here. Probably not. Probably not. Most of us know chapter 20, 37, and I tell you why. Because preachers love to preach it. There was a valley of the dry bones, and God says to the man, Son of man, do you believe these bones can live? Oh, Lord, thou knowest. Preach to the bones. Man, we love preaching that thing. Right, preachers? I got a couple of retired preachers. We love preaching that story. So you've heard that one, but the rest of it, ah. Not so much. Because the visions in Ezekiel are a lot to take in. There is tons and tons of stuff going on all at the same time. The visions are a lot, and yet we need to address them. Paul writes this in Timothy, 1, 2 Timothy, all Scripture, including Ezekiel, all Scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So without fear or trepidation, we're going to take a six-week walk through some visions from the great beyond, and five of them are going to be from the book of Ezekiel. So, so I'm going to walk you through quickly. Why should we re read Ezekiel? I mean, it is part of the Bible. It's part of the Old Testament. The Old Testament narrative illuminates the story of God and God's people. It, it shows us the history. It's the stories of people. And, and since we're people, we can identify with them. It, it lies out the grain, ground, lays out the ground rules for living. It gives us those Ten Commandments that frankly serve as the baseline for pretty much all of human society. All, all the, you know, don't take somebody else's stuff. Don't kill somebody else. Those kind of things work pretty well. It also, in the Old Testament, shows us the heights and depths of human behavior and God's love for those that succeed and fail in the way we behave. It's filled with poetry and wisdom like Psalms and Proverbs that are inspiration and instruction that if we follow them, if we pay attention to them, follow them, it makes for a better life. And there's these prophetic words, the 17 prophets in the Old Testament that speak to what God will do and what people who desire to be faithful should do in preparation or response to the Word. That's why we read the Old Testament. The Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, 
communicate God's desire to reconcile humanity with God's self. We find in there the incarnation event. That, that is to say that Christ comes, is born at Christmas, and, and becomes one of us. And we understand that God is with us. And then we see the teachings of Christ, the parables, the miracle stories, and just Jesus teaching like in the Sermon on the Mount, the Sermon on the Plain. We find in those teachings who God is, what God's hopes for us up are, what encouragement for authenticity and pursuing God in our living should be, and an invitation to enjoy His presence eternally. And we then find the salvation narrative. So as the incarnation is God coming to be with us, the salvation narrative, which is Christ on the cross, and then the resurrected Christ is that message that us with Christ. As God is with us, us is to go with God. And then you find in the letters of the New Testament, they give us counsel and encourage us to live as Christians. They, they give us some theology, what it is that we are supposed to believe. They, they teach us some ecclesiology, which is, by the way, one of the two words I'm going to use today that prove I went to seminary. All right. Ecclesiology basically means this. It's how to live what we believe in the community, which is the church. How, how do we get along? How do we, how do we do what God wants us to do? And, and the letters in the New Testament prescribe how we're supposed to live as Christ, following His life. And then we come to Ezekiel. And Ezekiel is rich with vivid visions of God's truth. I mean, let's be honest. Some of this stuff we're going to read in the next month and a half, it is out there. I mean, far out there. If you were paying attention, I mean, to what we were just reading, you know, a guy who above his waist is molten hot and below him fire, that is a depiction. That's just one of the characters, okay? It's so vivid, it's out there. I mean, we think, like, if Jacob had a dream of his angels ascending and descending to heaven, and, 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 and if Isaiah had a vision of God sitting on his throne, maybe Ezekiel had a nightmare, or maybe just this breadth of visions with a big capital V that, I mean, I'm telling you, when we read these, they are arresting. They're scary. I think they're all completely compelling. And they're all encompassing of the world and the communal situation. And through these arresting visions of God, God communicates the truth with Ezekiel. I don't know if you were listening carefully because we read that and you saw it fast. And so, honestly, and I mean this, if you're already done with the sermon, it's okay. Just grab Ezekiel 1 and read it again because your mind will go... I mean, if you listen to it, you've got intersecting circles that are gyrating both ways. There's a being inside of them that has four wings, four heads. The, the lightning is flashing around the sky. This, which is made of crystal, incidentally, and there's rainbows in it, like, like clouds in, in, in the midst of, of a rainstorm. And we already talked about the presence of the person. And, and there's so much more in there. And the breadth and the richness of the descriptive details in Ezekiel's visions are so compelling, so intriguing, so like Steven Spielberg. We have to be careful. Because we can get bogged down in the details. And getting bogged down in the details is the gateway to missing the scripture, the point of Scripture. If we get bogged down in the details. I, uh, the details of a story point to the point. They're not the point. Here's what I mean. A couple of years ago, I told a story in here about Tishmingo County and, Fol- and Fol- Fulton County playing in a Mississippi high school playoff game. And because of the certain rules... 
Um, Tishmingo actually went and got a safety on themselves so they could advance. And that point, the point of that story, was to teach us that there are times in lives where we consider, can consider going a different way than what seems obvious. That was the point of that. But out here in the center, or I guess it was downtown, I had about five people come up and talk to me about Mississippi High School football, of which I do not care. Because that wasn't the point. The point, the, 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 the details of the story were to point to the point, but they weren't the point. And I can take this one step further because you've all had this happen in your own house. So let's consider since 4th of July is next, you're going to have a 4th of July gathering, right? And at your 4th of July gathering, there's all these things that need to come up. Somebody has to have a grill. Somebody has to have the meat. Somebody has to have the potato salad. Somebody, you know, the seven bean salad and the, the desserts and all that kind of stuff. And you're going back and forth, maybe even as early as right now, trying to get the details of your meal right. But guess what? Like I say to my family all the time and I say to the church, there will be food at this fellowship, but the fellowship is not the food. All you want to do is be together. Don't miss the ch- point of that because if your grill won't light and you're out of gas and nobody shows up with the potato salad, if you have 20 bucks in your pocket, you can buy like 18 pizzas at Domino's, right? So, so it's not a big deal. But sometimes we get so bogged down in the details that we miss the point of what is in front of us. The point is greater than the details. And the details of Ezekiel's vision is to funnel our spiritual eyes towards God. All these first 27 verses are to point our eyes at what God wants to show us. All that imagery, all that that conversation about where where, where, where the angels go, the Spirit takes them. And wherever the Spirit would go, they go with them. This is called, second word, this is called a theophany. T h e o p h a n y, which is a seminary word that I paid a lot to learn. But it means that a person has a personal experience of God. And what Ezekiel is having here is a theophany. He is witnessing the manifestation of God. He is seeing actually God as God desires to depict himself. And the point of Ezekiel's vision is, is God is with his people. It's right here. There's 27 verses of information that lead to this. This was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. When I saw it, I fell face down, and I heard the voice of one speaking. This was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. When I saw it, I fell face down, which is the appropriate response when you come face to face to God, with God. Because here's one of the burning questions of Ezekiel. Where is God? And one of the burning questions of of humanity has always been, where is God? God, where are you when little children get sick and die? God, where are you when people influence children in poor ways? God, where are you when people across the world are starving? God, where are you when there's sickness? God, where are you when I lose my job? God, where are you when bad things happen to good people and good things happen to God people? Where is God in all of that? In all of our suffering, we ask that question, and also in all the scattering. Why do we have to be so divided? Why do we have to have so many different opinions? Why, God? Where where are you? And Ezekiel makes something very clear here. Ezekiel makes clear the presence of God is here, right here. And in the midst of everything you're going through, don't miss this part, because this is where Ezekiel's taking us. No matter all these sounds and visions, no matter what it is that we're facing right now, The presence of God is with his people, and he provides sanctuary in the midst of it. 
He is sanctuary in the midst of whatever suffering, whatever scattering you're going through. And we need a reminder, which is what Ezekiel is all about, that God is in charge. Ezekiel's vision is a word of hope. It speaks to us of God's sovereign strength and how God's sovereign strength prevails regardless of our situation. Jesus says in his last words to his disciples in Matthew 28, Lo, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Always is always. He never separates himself from us. Hope is not found in your circumstance. Hope is not found in the grades you get. Hope is not found in the feelings you have or your efforts. And confidence is only found in the truth that God is with God's people. There is hope in the midst of wherever you're at. You know, there's an old hymn. We don't sing too many hymns at this service, but there's an old hymn. And maybe I love singing it because I got to stand beside my dad when I sung it as a little kid. But the, the song is called, This Is My Father's World. And there's this verse in there that goes like this. Though the wrong seemed oft so strong. Though the wrong seems oft so strong. Though, though bad stuff seems to be around us all the time, then the next line is, God is the ruler yet. Though the wrong seems oft so strong, God is the ruler yet. God is where he always is with his people. He's never been anywhere else, and there's nowhere else he'd rather be than with his people. So the appropriate human response to the presence of the Holy God is humility. The holiness of God accentuates our sinfulness and insignificance. It shows us how big God is and how small we are. And knowing God is with us allows us to see the prospect that judgment is mixed with a note of mercy because there's contrast between who God is and who we are. Note that in the vision. There is so much difference between who Ezekiel is and who God is. Because Ezekiel is seeing just a fraction of what God wants to show him of himself. There's a, God, a huge contrast between who God says we can become and who we are. Now, there's this concept. I, I know it's kind of colloquial right now. It's called being woke. It means you've been awakened to what's true. So let me take you home this this way. Those woke to God's presence respond in humility. If you've been woke to who God is and that you're in the presence of Him, the only appropriate response is to go face down. You know, we're not going to take communion at this service because we want to honor God by honoring these seniors, and I didn't want to keep you past whenever your favorite restaurant closed. But the appropriate response when we come in to contact with who God is. And when we come into terms, when we come to terms with how much we need God and how little God needs us, when we know who God is, we will go horizontal, not vertical. We won't stand up thinking that we're the Lord of all things and God needs our help. We will go down and hold that. And, and with the communion service, I was able to say, let's go down. But, but, but in a service of worship at any time, I need to remind you, because it's the simple truth that comes in this huge vision, is that we need to understand our place before God and claim our face, our, our place, which is to go face down and honor Him with who we are. See, this is the word of, a, word of the Lord for us today, that, that 
We are because He is. We're His people because He desires us. And there's no thing you can do, no circumstance you can be a part of, no thing that you can be about that God has not already preceded you. See, that's why I love praying for our seniors. Because when we pray for these guys, it does not matter if they're going off into the military service. It does not matter if they're going into the work world directly or if they're going into, um, in, into college. It doesn't matter when we, pro- when we prayed for Jackson where he's going or what his life might be. It matters to everyone around him. But see, God's already going to be there before them. And God's already awaiting upon us and has been where we've been and will be where we stay. Don't miss that. This is a simple Christian truth. Broad, wild vision that funnels us down to the simple truth that God is with us. Don't, don't miss that. We need that encouragement today. Let's pray. God, we thank you for all that you've given us even to this day. For the gift of joy and strength, for the gifts of baptism and for the joy of celebrating uh, little Jackson and for the celebrating of these seniors, we honor and praise you. And we ask, God, uh, that you might, as you've promised us, always hold us in your hand and that we might enjoy it and know it and let you be known in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.